Chapter Nine of the Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine, April Days. The terror never lifted now from the old house. There were days and weeks when nothing happened, but the garrison did not permit itself to believe that the unseen enemy had abandoned the unequal contest. The old people were prepared for the end which they believed to be inevitable. A settled melancholy was upon them, and it was only when they were together that anything like a sense of security prevailed. For the moment they were safe. There was always safety in numbers. But when they parted for the night, they parted as comrades on the eve of a bloody battle. They might meet again, but the chances were strong against it. For themselves they cared nothing, for the younger people everything. It was fortunate that the fine constitutions and strong nerves of Geoffrey and Vera and Marion kept them going. A really imaginative man or woman would have been driven mad by the awful suspense. But Geoffrey was bright and sunny. He always felt that the truth would come to light some day and his buoyant, sanguine nature reacted on the others. Nearly a month had elapsed since the weird attempt on the life of Rupert Ravenspur, four weeks since Geoffrey's strange experience on the cliffs, and nothing had happened. The family had lapsed once more into their ordinary mode of living. Blind Ralph was back again, feeling his way about the castle as usual, silent, moody, in the habit of gliding in upon people as a snake comes through the grass. Ralph came in to breakfast, creeping to his chair without touching anything, dropping into it as if he had fallen from the clouds. Marion, next to him, shuddered. They were quite good friends, these two, but Marion was slightly afraid of her uncle. His secret ways repelled her, he had a way of talking with his sightless eyes upturned. He seemed to understand the unspoken thoughts of others. "'What is the matter?' he asked. Marion laughed. None of the others had come down yet. "'What should be the matter?' she replied. "'Well, you shuddered. You should be sorry for me, my dear.' Some of these days I mean to tell you the story of my life. Oh, yes, it will be a story. What a story! And you will never forget it as long as you live. There was something uncanny in the words. A veiled threat. The suggestion of one who had waited for a full revenge, with the knowledge that the time would come. Yet the scarred face was without expression. The eyes were vacant. "'Won't you tell me now?' Marion asked, softly. "'I am so sorry for you.' The sweet, thrilling sympathy would have moved a stone, but it had no effect upon Ralph. He merely caressed Marion's slim fingers and smiled. It was significant of his extraordinary power that he found Marion's hand without feeling for it. He was given to touch those slim fingers and yet he never allowed Marion to kiss him. "'All in good time,' 
he said. But not yet, not yet. Before Marion could reply, Mrs. Gordon Ravenspur came into the room. Marion seemed to divine more than see that something had happened. She jumped to her feet and crossed the room. "'Dear Aunt,' she said quickly, "'what is it?' "'Vera,' Mrs. Gordon replied. "'She called me into her room just now, saying she was feeling far from well. I had hardly got into her room before she fainted. I have never known Vera to do such a thing before.' Ralph was sitting and drumming his fingers on the table, as if the subject had not the slightest interest for him. But, with the swiftness of lightning, a strange, hard, cunning expression flashed across his face and was gone. When Marion turned to him, he had vanished also. It almost seemed as if he had the gift of fern seed. A mere passing weakness, Marion said soothingly. "'I should like to think so,' Mrs. Gordon replied. "'In normal circumstances I should think so. But not now. Not now, Marion.' Marion sighed deeply. There were times when even she was oppressed. "'I'll go and see Vera,' she said. "'I am sure there is no cause for alarm.' Marion slipped rapidly up the stone stairs and along the echoing corridor toward Vera's room. She was smiling now, and she kissed her hand to the dead-and-gone Ravenspurs frowning upon her from the walls. Then she burst gaily into Vera's room. "'My dear child,' she cried, "'you really must not alarm us by—' She paused suddenly. Vera, fully dressed, was seated in a chair whilst Ralph was by her side. He seemed more alive than usual. He had been saying something to Vera that had brought the color to her face. As Marion entered, he grew grave and self-contained, like a snail retreating into its shell, Marion thought. He sat down and tattooed with his fingers on the dressing table. "'I had no idea you had company,' Marion smiled. "'I intruded,' Ralph said gravely. There was a sardonic inflection in his voice. "'Yet I flatter myself that Vera is the better for my attention.' Marion looked swiftly from one to the other. She was puzzled. Almost flawless as she was, she had her minor weaknesses— or she had been less charming than he was, and she hated to be puzzled. Vera was no longer pale, and all signs of languor had departed, yet she looked confused, and there was the trace of a blush on her cheeks. "'Sometimes I fancy that Uncle Ralph is laughing at us all,' she said, with a laugh that was not altogether natural." But I am all right now, dear Marion. Save for a racking headache, I am myself again. Marion, solicitous for others always, flew for her smelling salts. In three strides Ralph was across the floor and had closed the door behind her. 
His manner had instantly changed. He was full of energy and action. "'Take this,' he whispered. "'Take it, and the cure will be complete. Crush it up between your teeth and drink a glass of water afterwards.' He forced a small white pellet between Vera's teeth. He heard her teeth crushing it. With his peculiar gift for finding things, he crossed over to the washstand and returned with a glass of water. "'You are better?' he asked, as Vera gulped the water down. "'Oh, yes, Uncle. Are you a wizard, or what? My headache seems to have lifted from me as one takes off a hat. The stuff you gave me—' "'Say no more about it. Think no more about it. But whenever the same feeling comes over you again, let me know at once. And you are not to mention this to anybody.' "'But my mother and Geoffrey and—' "'Ah, you love Geoffrey? "'But there is no need to ask you the question. "'You want to rid the house of its nameless terror. "'You want to be free, to marry Geoffrey and be happy. "'Dear child, all these things will come if you listen to me. "'I swear it. "'And now will you promise me that you will say nothing of this to a soul?' "'Dear uncle, I promise.' Ralph had grown cold and moody again. When Marion returned with her salts, he slipped out of the room as callously as if he were not in the least interested, and while many anxious eyes followed Vera at breakfast time, Ralph alone was indifferent, brutally indifferent, Marion thought. "'Are you thinking of the same thing that we are?' she asked. "'No,' Ralph said shortly. "'I was thinking what poor bacon this is.'" End of chapter 9